money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Alrighty, well, welcome everybody, and hello. I'm uh, Phil Grove. I'll be doing our uh, little presentations tonight, and we're gonna actually get started uh, with a little um, warm up, I guess you could say. Uh, we're um, gonna have our regular presentation starting in a little while. We still have a lot of people coming in, but while we're waiting for uh, the seats to fill in, I thought I'd take a couple of minutes and talk about. Uh, anything that you guys want to talk about in terms of uh, projects that you're working on. So uh, Olivia, did you want to uh, help with some questions and answers? And um, anybody working on a deal? Anybody looking at a property? Who's looking at something to possibly buy? Please don't be shy. We're at a real estate meeting, so I would assume somebody here is at least possibly looking at a house. Is anybody looking at a house to buy? Yeah, what do you got? Interest rates. Yeah. So. Um, what is your concern with interest rates? Well, I qualify for the VA loan. Okay. Wow, nice. So your concern is that interest rates are normal or what? So you don't want to pay normal interest rates? Correct. What kind of interest rates would you like to pay? With all due respect, people in hell want iced tea and they're not going to get that either. And I'm, I'm pulling your leg a little bit because I've been a real estate investor for 20 years. I'm what's called a full cycle real estate investor for the years and years and years and years. I made my fortune with six and a half to seven and a half percent mortgages. That's considered normal interest rates. Now we had a brief period of time where we had freakishly abnormal interest rates. That was nice. That doesn't exist anymore. So we're back to normal. So um, you know, I would say don't hold your breath. You know, this was maybe a once in a lifetime thing that we just saw. I don't know if that's going to happen again in this lifetime. It might. You never know. We don't have any idea. But I wouldn't let that slow you down. So, you know, when I kind of poke at you, say, you, you got a problem with normal, or it's like, this is normal. So, yeah, uh, well, you know, I mean, so what do you want to buy a property for? For a homestead or for an investment? For an investment. Okay. So, um, any idea what you want to buy or where you want to buy it? Inside. Inside? Oh, east side, east side town. Okay, great, great, good, good location, good high appreciation uh, on the east side. And um, your concern with interest rates is you're going to have to pay a little more interest. Is that it? Buy it, buy it down a little bit. Okay. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you can buy it down a little bit, but then what will that do? Get your a little bit more cash flow? So you've done that before. Do you have a number of rental properties like that? What's that? Three times. Three times. And you still own all those properties? Um, how long have you owned those properties? Since 2012. So they've gone up in value a lot. Congratulations, but I do have maybe a slight issue with that. The 1997 Homestead Exemption Act says if you sell it, if you call it your home and sell it, then the first $500,000 is tax-free. But if you rent it, you lose the deduction. So you've made hundreds of thousands of dollars of profit on these properties, but you're gonna have to pay all the taxes. So I wish you had either kept them for two years and sold them, or you could go back and move into some of the ones you bought a while ago, live in it for two more years, and then sell it, and then take all the money tax-free. So in the long game, here's what I, I'm going to tell you. I own $30 million worth of houses here in Austin. 
I've been doing this for 20 years, and there is no cash flow from rental properties. It's a fallacy. So, um, and live off of the cash flow? Here's what I've learned from 20 years of doing this, and $30 million of houses worth later. There's no cash flow. And, and you're probably figuring that out, right? You own these rental properties. How much cash flow do you get? Like how much? Like what, what is your mortgage payment, PITI? Okay, well, don't, don't share them. But what I'm saying is it's, it's not unusual if somebody has a mortgage payment of like 1200 a month and they get 1600 rent or whatever the, the numbers are. And it feels like it's cash flow, right? Oh, I'm making 500 a month or whatever it is. Um, but then, you know, boom, new roof, 8000 right? So then you catch up, you catch up, boom, New York inertia, 10,000, right? You catch up, you catch up, boom, make ready, you know, 8,000. You catch up, catch up. So, you know, on my portfolio, I've noticed, yeah, I get some cash flow. It feels like I'm making some money and then something happens and I fall behind again. And then I catch up, I catch up, and then something happens, I, I fall behind. And when I say there's really no cash flow, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I mean, there's some cash flow, right? But I think you will look at your portfolio. I'm sure if you've had properties in Austin since 2012, if you look at your net worth, it's 10x higher than the cash flow. If you add up all the cash flow you got over the last 10 years on that portfolio and all the appreciation, I guarantee the appreciation is 10 times higher than the cash flow. And once you understand that, then you might start to think about this portfolio a little different. It's not a cash flow play. It's an appreciation play you are much wealthier, right, than you were a decade ago because of your wise decision to buy this portfolio of properties. And, and, and there are, are they all in Austin? Nice move, right? So you became a lot wealthier just in the last three years. Your values went up 40%. They've come down about 10, but you're still way ahead. So that's it. So when I look at my portfolio, and like I said, I got about $30 million to the houses here in Austin, I'm never going to live on the cash flow. I mean, if I add up all the cash flow, I make so much more money doing other things like flipping houses and things like that. The cash flow is never going to be enough to pay for the life and lifestyle I want. But if I ever wanted to retire, like sit on a beach and drink margaritas, it's not going to be from a cash flow on a $30 million portfolio. It's going to be just selling one house a year, right? And making, you know, a million dollars a year from the, from the sale of the property. Um, and then once you start thinking about that, you might really think about like whether you really care that much about the cash flow. You know, what you really want, and if I could go back and change anything, like from, from what I did, when I started to buy rental properties, I gave a hoot about cash flow. And because I gave a hoot about cash flow, and I also gave a hoot about discount, and because I cared about those things, which was a mistake, I ended up buying fewer properties. And if I could go back and do anything different, I would have bought them all. Okay, I could have bought so many more, but most of my wealth today came from decisions I made literally 20 years ago. And I'm betting most of your wealth today came from decisions you made 10 years ago. So flash forward to your future, right? 10 years from now, 20 years from now, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do next, if you ever want to do anything different. Um, the number of properties you buy now, regardless of interest rates, will determine that future more than anything else. So I would say don't wait for interest rates to go down or bigger down payments or paying down a little more points to get a little better cash flow. In the overall scheme of things, it's not really going to matter much. What's going to matter much is that you own more real estate. Well, I mean, but you're getting some cash flow, right? You know, I have properties that make positive cash flow and properties that make negative cash flow. 
and I use the positive cash flow to pay the negative cash flow, you know. But, you know, I do other things too. Are you living off of this or is this just kind of a side hustle for you? Okay, great, you know, awesome. So you got some money coming in, you know, if you got a little positive or negative cash flow, I would argue and maybe encourage you to think like, who cares, right? I mean, it's like the cash flow is probably not changing your life, right? Now the wealth is gonna change your life. And I would be focused more if I could go back, you know, and tell myself 20 years ago what I know now, I would say buy more real estate, right? Don't worry too much about cash flow because in the long time, in the long run, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. So who else is looking at a deal right now? Anybody else looking at buying a property? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, the nice thing about a high appreciation portfolio, you've got some properties she's owned in Austin since 2012. I guarantee this stuff's all doubled in value since she bought it. Okay. So she's got a lot of nice equity. She could potentially refinance those properties, pull some of the equity out, use that as down payments uh, to buy other properties. Now, I'm going to give you a presentation a little bit later. I'm going to show you how you can buy properties even with little or no money. And I'm even going to show you how you can still get 3% mortgages on rental properties with no money down. Does that sound interesting to you? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. Got a little trick for you. But uh, yeah, that's something you could do. Sure. If you, you, you know, these rental properties can become like ATM machines, right? They, they, they go up in value. And like on my portfolio, I think I owe less than $5 million on a $30 million portfolio. My properties have doubled in value, doubled in value, doubled in value. The, lo the mortgages got paid off by the tenants. I don't bother to refinance them very often because I just have other income sources from other things and I don't really, I don't need more income because income is just something I pay taxes on. I'm looking for build, building more wealth. Okay, that's, that's where I am at my point in my life. But yeah, absolutely, if you have a property with a lot of equity in it, one strategy you can do is you can refinance it, take the equity out of it, use it as down payments or uh, for other investment purposes, absolutely. Yeah, it is on now. Hello, okay. Yeah, so you were, and it's interesting, you were saying about the being able to get properties with no money down, right? Yeah. Is that, are you going to teach us the subject too? Okay. Yeah, so you're, okay. you're, you're getting a little sneak ahead. That's, that's something I do. I buy my, most of my properties that way. And I'm gonna, I, I think it's sexier the way I say it. I can teach you how to buy houses with no money down and with 3% mortgages. So I'm going to show you that trick, right? But yeah, that's, that's, that's part of the secret, yeah. yeah. So who else is looking at a deal or maybe has a real estate question? We're still uh, waiting for people to come on in and join us. Anybody over here looking at something you might want to buy as real estate investment? Income or wealth or kind of some combination? Like, are, are you looking maybe to quit your job and, and replace the income? Yeah, storage, we love storage. So um, we do, and I do, um, commercial and residential, uh, active and passive. Uh, and I'm very strategically agnostic. Most people that uh, do real estate are very biased to one particular strategy. Oh, I'm a multifamily guy, or I'm a single family guy, or I'm this, or I'm that, or whatever. And everybody always tries to argue that their way is the best way. I love them all, okay? I'm, I, I call myself strategically agnostic. I do it all, right? Single family, multifamily, active, passive, et cetera. Um, and I don't think any one is better or worse than the other. They're just different. In my opinion, like, uh, you know, commercial, multifamily, and residential solves different problems. So, you know, what is like commercial versus residential good for? If you tell me I want to quit my job or replace my income, I want to make $100,000 a year, 
quickly doing something other than what I'm doing now, I'm going to say go flip houses. Fastest way to make a six-figure income is using many different flip strategies for, for residential real estate. That's the fastest way to generate income and quit your job. If you say, no, I want to do the big deals. I'm going to make a million dollars per deal. I'm going to say, yeah, go, go flip commercial properties, storage, et cetera. But these are typically three to five year deals. You can make a million dollars a deal, but it's not fast, right? It's a big, but it's not fast, right? So most commercial projects are not fast projects, but you can make plenty of money on them. And it takes some time to become a sponsor, build up an, an, a, a network to, to syndicate deals in. And, you know, so it's not a fast path to quitting your job or whatever. If you said, my problem is I have a bunch of money in, in, in an IRA or 401k or in the bank or whatever. I got a pile of money and I want to make money with money. You know, I want to get a better return than the stock market. I would say invest in commercial real estate. On average, you get twice the return with half the risk of the stock market, right? So on average, you get like 15% return instead of 7.5% return and, and, and less risk. So I would say the best way to make money with money is commercial real estate. Uh, if you say, I want to build wealth, I want to retire wealthy, I'm going to say buy rental properties, right? Do, do what she did. She did something smart 10 years ago, started buying rental properties. Now she's a lot richer than she was 10 years ago because of the decision uh, she made to do that. Now, I do them all and I love them all, but to me, they just solve different problems. So when I said, like, what are you here to do? You said, well, man, I might want to quit my job and do something else. I'd, I'd probably say, probably what you should do first, probably, is flip some houses. And there's so many ways you can do it. You can do it with or without money. Uh, it's very scalable and you can become wealthy. You can become a millionaire flipping houses, right? And then you can get into multifamily and all kinds of other things, right? But, but that would be my guess would be maybe the best thing to, to get started with. So who else is looking to get started investing in real estate? Yeah. What are you trying to do? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Getting, getting more real estate. 600K rental. That's an expensive rental property, but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the general rule is we would like to put as little into the properties as possible because whatever money you put down as down payments or paying down loans or whatever it happens to be, that money that you use to acquire the property, that down payment or money that goes in, you don't get that back. That's like gone, right? You know, you get it back 20 years from now or, or when you sell or refinance. So we want to keep as little capital as possible in the properties as possible. If we can get VA loans or things like that that are no money down loans, that's fantastic, right? I mean, anytime we can get something that allows us to uh, uh, buy properties with minimum money down. I will teach you guys some tricks today on buying properties with minimum money down. Um, but uh, you can also use something called the Burr strategy. You can buy a property that you get maybe a little distressed and maybe at a discount. You can renovate it, refinance it, and maybe get all your money back. That's a strategy sometimes you can do. You know, if you buy a property at a discount, you fix it up and then you refinance it based on its full value, you may be able to get all the money you put in back again. And if you can do that, that's a way of building up a portfolio with minimum down. And the, and the only reason I say minimum down is because it doesn't scale, right? If you use all your money to buy one rental property, uh, you can only buy one rental property. And at the end of the day, the game is with rental properties to own as much as possible. You know, like, you know, a few years ago, I owned $20 million worth of houses, and today I own $30 million worth of houses. And what did I do to go from 20 to 30? Nothing. <laughs> I just sat there. Because over a period of just a couple of years, property values in Austin went up by like 40%, right? So I became $10 million richer just because I owned 30, uh, $20 million worth of houses. You see what I'm saying? 
Now, I wish I had owned $50 million worth of houses, right? Because then I'd be even that much better off today. And that's why I say, if I could go back, if I could do anything over again, oh man, I wish I had bought twice as many, five times as many properties. I just, I just didn't know what I know today. So you wanna own as much real estate as possible if your long-term play is to own as much real estate as possible and hold it forever, right? And you get maybe a little cash flow along the way. So I call that a bonus, so yeah. You mean to buy a 600 versus like a th two 300s or something? Well, I mean, I will say as a general rule, you're always better off, you're gonna get better appreciation from $300,000 houses and better cash flow for sure from two $300,000 houses than one $600,000 house. As the prices go up, the rents go up, but the rents don't match the price increase. So when the price doubles, the rent doesn't double, even though the, the mortgage payment can double. So your cash flow gets worse as the properties get more expensive. That's unfortunate. So that is something else to consider. You're better off owning more cheaper houses. Uh, for cash flow, for, for better cash flow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else looking to get started investing in real estate? What are you guys doing? You're looking at each other? Well, there, there, there's tens of thousands of members in this network, so join the Facebook group and the online network, and there's contractors and private money and all kinds of people in this network, and you also expressed interest in syndications. So have you done a syndication, or you're just... For, for like, what, what kind of things are you thinking about? Like for multifamily? multifamily. multifamily. Yeah, so um, Austin's the hardest market to do multifamily in, for you, it sounds like you know that. And I will tell you, have you invested in syndications before? I have. So the best way to learn, so syndications, for those of you that don't know what that means, um, multifamily syndication, how would that work? Like, let's say you, somebody wants to buy a $10 million apartment building. How do you do that? Well, first you get a $7 million loan, uh, which sounds hard. That's not the hard part because the loan is actually secured by the property. Okay, so these are usually non-recourse loans secured by the property. So if you're like, oh, I wouldn't qualify for a ten million or a seven million dollar loan, you don't have to, right? The property does. Uh, the trick is to get that seven million dollar loan, you have to put three million dollars down, and to put three million dollars down, you're going to have to get it from somewhere, like raise it from investors. Like you might get sixty investors to so each invest fifty thousand dollars. You got your three million dollars down. But when you're pooling millions of dollars together uh, to, to, to create a, uh, some money for, for buying a property, you're creating what the government calls a security. And how that money is raised is regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. And you break those rules, you go to jail. Okay, so this is very serious stuff. You gotta follow the rules and understand exactly how to do that. Now, I'm gonna tell you the best way to learn uh, you know, how to invest in commercial real estate, uh, how to syndicate commercial real estate, is to start by investing in commercial real estate. So you need to find some syndicators, right? Some, some sponsors and look at their deals and uh, put some money in, put some money in. You get to meet the sponsors and see the deal and read the performa and get a copy of the business plan, follow the progress, and then you make money on your money. You know, it's not unusual to put 50,000 in a deal, you get 100,000 uh, back. And in the process of making money on your money, you're gonna learn how the whole thing works and then you're gonna say, wow, this is really cool, I'm gonna go do it myself. But I'll also say, um, most people, myself included, I would never, ever invest with somebody that's never done it before. So the trick is to, how do you do your first one, right? You know, if you've never invested in one and you've never done one before, you know, how do you get started? That's really tricky. Because most people wouldn't trust somebody that's never done it before with their money, right? So the best way to get started is to invest in somebody else's deal, learn how it works, and then co-sponsor. Get a, get a, get a sponsor that's experienced and has a good reputation and track record 
and go find a deal and become the co-sponsor of the sponsor, right? And then the sponsor's credibility and track record will attract the money. You'll obviously meet all the investors because he'll have a relationship with them. And then when you go find your next deal, you can get some of those same investors to maybe invest in your deal. So we also have a group in this network, the Texas RIAs. Uh, we have over a thousand sophisticated accredited investors, uh, people that invest in syndications. Right, and people pitch deals and raise money within that group, and there's quite a lot of uh, different activity. You know, literally hundreds of millions of dollars worth of projects, um, multifamily, storage, you know, RV parks, mobile home parks, you name it. Uh, we do all the different asset classes all across the state of Texas. So yeah, we like uh, we like your plan. So, who else is? Uh, thank you for introducing yourself too. Who else is looking to uh, get started with no money? Yeah, okay. Um, great. I, I, I recommend that's a good strategy because the truth is, whether you have money or not, you have to learn how to do it with no money. And the reason is because nobody has enough money. I don't have enough money to be a real estate investor. You know, nobody has enough money to be a real estate investor. You know, no, nobody does. Not even close. You got half a million dollars in your checking account. Great. Good for you. Go buy a house. Okay. Now you're done. Yep. That was it. Can't buy another house. Tell you sell that house, right? It doesn't scale. In this business, you have to be prepared to buy any property at any price at any time because you have no idea. The deal of a lifetime might appear right tomorrow and you got to be ready. So you have to be ready to use other people's money, build a relationship with people with money, right? Partner on deals, borrow the money for the deals. There's more money looking for deals than there are deals looking for money. Okay. So the trick to doing with this with no money is you got to learn how to do it with no money, whether you have money or not. So whether you have money or not, doesn't really matter because whatever money you have instantly just gets used up in some project and then you're going to be in a situation where you had money, but now your money's tied up. So now you got to do it without money. So you got to get used to using other people's money, right? And, and what do people want? They have money. They want somebody that's going to treat their money even more conservatively than we, they would treat it themselves. They, they want somebody who has a good deal. So that starts with finding a good deal and then getting people to trust you uh, or partner with you or in some way work on that deal with you, right? I think partnering is a great thing. I do a lot of partnering. That's how I make my money. I talk about real estate. I'm part of a real estate investor association. People bring me good deals and I partner with the deals. I get to split the profits. They get to leverage my experience and power teams and resources. That's a win-win, right? That's another way you can get started investing in real estate. So that's, that's another way to do it, right? Who else is uh, looking to get started investing in real estate? Well, I mean, you know, whatever you can get. I mean, Austin is more expensive. The average price in Austin is right around $600,000, right, within the uh, Austin metro. So um, uh, San Antonio is much cheaper. It's like four twenty-five, something like that, uh, for average prices. So we have a lot of uh, Austin investors actually buying rental properties down in San Antonio because you can get more uh, for your money uh, down there. I mean, you know, you don't get as good appreciation, but but you can get cheaper properties down there. But yeah, there's 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 no like you know whatever you can find. I mean you know it used to be you could find hundred thousand dollar rental properties. I bought lots of them, uh, but it, you know it's just whatever price you can find. You know sometimes you can find a fixer upper, some property that's distressed. You can buy it, maybe fix it up, and then maybe refinance it. We talked about that before. We get your money down. I'm sorry, the money you put in, you get it all back, and then and and then you get financing on the on the property that that essentially you you fixed and flipped. So that's a way to potentially buy rental properties with no money down. You buy it with money, you fix it with money, and then you refinance it and get your money back. So, and there's some other ways I'm going to show you how to do it too. 
I don't, I don't know how many doors I have. Um, uh, somewhere 30, 40 doors. They're nice properties. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not an unusual you know, trajectory that you're on. But yeah, I mean, um, when I started buying rental properties, I read the, the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? It says, oh, this is a cash flow play. And I bought all these rental properties. Then I really re realized eventually that these really don't generate significant cash flow compared to other things I do. So same thing, right? It's like, yeah, you don't really get cash flow, right? So, and, and then I learned how to flip houses. I'm making real money flipping houses. So that's where the big money is. And the, and the little money is the, is the rental property. So then it's kind of like, well, what was all this good for, right? And, and, and the answer is I've become wealthier, right? So you say you have a $6 million portfolio. How long have you had it? Four years. Okay, well, good, good four years, right? You got about a 30, 40% increase. It's gone down a little bit, but you know, you got a nice bump. So whatever you bought is probably worth about 30% more than you bought it for, right? If you had it for four years. So good for you. You, you, you were a 30% richer and you got the appreciation on the asset value, not just on whatever you put down to buy them. So yeah, your, your, your wealth has increased dramatically. Um, and if you hold on to those properties, for another 10 years or 20 years or whatever. And, and that's what I do. I just, I have a property manager, I put them on the shelf and it's kind of like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know who's in any of my houses. I haven't been to a rental property or talked to a tenant in over a decade. I have no idea, right? I don't remember most of the addresses to be honest with you, but it's a nest egg. It's, it's really what it's become. It's a, it's a nest egg. Uh, it's increased my wealth, but in the meantime, I've gone off and made money, right? Flipping houses and doing other stuff. You're saying syndicate for single families, is that what you're saying? So, um, it's kind of complicated. So you can create a portfolio of single family houses and you can syndicate that, right? We have people in our network and they'll buy 100 single family houses, they'll raise a fund of you know $6 million in some bank money and they'll buy a portfolio of 100 houses. That's, that is something you can do. A portfolio of single family houses is actually considered a commercial investment. And you can raise money through syndications, where you get a big bank loan and then you get a bunch of uh, money down. So that is an option. Uh, but once you get into syndications, you know, why buy 100 houses when you can buy a 100-door apartment building, right? Which is 100 doors just in a different way and now all your eggs are in one basket and you don't have to, you know, go all over the place to, to manage them. So it might be easier to buy a 100-door or even a 200-door apartment building than to buy 100 uh, individual houses. But then once you start doing that, you're like, well, you know, or you could buy a storage facility. So now you don't have tennis and toilets to worry about. Now you're just renting out garages or you can do mobile home parks. Now you're just renting out a lot. Right? Somebody else puts their house on or RV parks, right? Those are really cool. You're just renting out a parking space that somebody puts their really expensive RV on, right? And you're getting cash flow and income from that. So the sky's the limit when it comes to syndications. You just have to figure out which asset class is a good fit for you. Uh, become an expert and, and, and start, you know, like I said, investing some of those deals. You're going to learn from investing in the deals. And then you're going to go find a deal and then you're going to find somebody to co-sponsor the deal with you. And then eventually you sponsor your own deals. That's kind of the path towards sponsoring and syndicating deals. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, I, 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 as obviously I love talking about this stuff. Um, so uh, we are about to get our regular meeting started. This was just kind of a little warm up conversation to kind of uh, answering questions, random questions from the audience. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm Phil Grove. I've been a real estate investor for uh, over 20 years, or just 20 years now. Um, my wife, Shanoa Grove, is the founder of the Texas RIAs. That's this organization we're part of right now. 
Uh, she had to take care of our kiddo uh, tonight, so I'm your substitute teacher for this evening. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at TexasStarterKit.com.